Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. This episode of Tourpreneur is sponsored by Rocket Res. Rocket Res has everything a tour or attraction needs. Built for high volume, their cloud point of sale puts all your sales streams into one easy-to-use platform. Find out more at rocketres.com forward slash tourpreneur. Welcome to the Tourpreneur Podcast. Travel industry veteran Shane Whaley will take you on a journey with fellow tourpreneurs, sharing their tips, ideas, insights, and success stories to inspire you to make your tour business the best it can be. And now, here is your host, Shane Whaley. On today's episode of Tourpreneur, we talk to Chris Torres. Many of us know him as Mr. Lookers into Bookers, but Today, we find out more about another venture he launched a few months ago called Touriosity, the commission-free OTA. So I wanted to talk to you because you are known as Mr. Lookers into Bookers, right? Everyone knows your, your book, your, your output, digital tourism show. But this year, you launched a new venture called Touriosity. And you said in a press release, I believe you issued it in November, the big OTAs have lost their way. What do you mean by that exactly? Oh, that's a very good question. I feel over the years, and especially during COVID, you know, a lot of the good operators out there are are basically screaming for help. You know, they're they're wanting help. They're wanting to find ways to generate leads and bookings, and and I've basically just survive what's going on at the moment with the, with the whole crisis. And all I'm seeing is a lot of the OTAs just. Know, upping their commission prices, adding on extra fees for various things. And I just think, understand why they're doing it. I just think it's came at the worst time possible. They should have left it until all this has subsided. And that's the reason why, or one of the reasons why I, I created Curiosity was to try and do something just a little bit different, give people a different option, a better option that, that puts a tour operator first, basically, rather than the profits of shareholders and uh, the head guys of these different OTAs. You said in your publicity that you offer, or Curiosity offers an OTA platform with a conscience. What exactly did you mean by that? Platform with a conscience is basically putting the operator first. Um, it's an operator-led platform. So we are non-profit, commission-free. So we don't need to worry about you know, paying shareholders or we don't have any investors. All the, the funds used from the yearly fee that operators pay, which is a low yearly fee, is there to drive the marketing of the platform and maintain the platform. And that's purely what we're doing with it. So over the next few months, we launched just in uh, November. Um, over the next few months, it's going to be lots of brand awareness, just letting potential travelers know who we are and what the platform is about. And just getting across the message to say, did you know these other places charge 20, 30, 
even some 40% commission, we don't. All the money goes to local businesses and really putting them first. And that's why I think we are an OTA with a conscience. And that's the reason why we sort of mentioned that, because we're, we're thinking about the operator first. Sure. Let me ask you this. Maybe you can walk us through it. Let's say I'm operating a walking tour in the finest, best Scottish city, Aberdeen. And I'm interested in curiosity. How do I sign up with you? How do I offer my tours? How do we do payments, etc.? Can you walk us through how that works? Yes. So we have a registration page on the website that any operator can register to be asked or request to go on the platform. We will then take a look at the information given. Uh, and if we feel that they're suitable, um, we will invite them along to make a payment. No, the payment at the moment is $250 for the year. So it's not a huge investment. And then that will allow them to have five tours in one particular destination. So if you are a day tour company, that would be five tours in one city. Um, if you're multi-day tour, that will be five tours in one country, region, uh, state, whatever you tend to operate. And that is really it. No, we upload all the content. We add in all the images we get from you. It even include your own booking platform into the pages as well. If you have one, we can embed pretty much every booking platform that is out there, with one or two exceptions. Or if you're wanting inquiry-based, it can be a simple inquiry form on the booking page that someone can get inquired to. And all the leads mean means that they're all going to you. If it's an inquiry form, that you're getting all the contact details for that potential customer. And if if it's a booking platform that you've got embedded from your own system, then obviously you're getting all the details from that customer as well. So again, that's one of the differences between um, ourselves and a lot of other OTAs. We are not hiding any of the contact details from the, the operators. So let's say I'm sat on a load of photographs and, and text, etc. How do I get that across to Curiosity? Well, if you don't have a website, we, we basically grab a lot of the information from the operator's own website. But there has been occasions where we've had some operators come to us without a website or maybe a website that's in the process of being developed. So if they send us the images, we have a Google Drive that they can upload their images to or even Word documents with all the different itineraries or descriptions or whatever they want to have on there. And we can take it from that as well. But for the most part, we take it from the existing website. And if we feel the images aren't good enough on their website, we'll get in touch for asking them to send us high quality ones. Now, now, knowing you as I do, Chris, I can't imagine you taking crappy old tours. So how are you approving tours? What kind of metrics or quality standards are you looking for at Curiosity to include tours and activities? Well, for the most part, we're only allowing tours that have four stars or above on Google, TripAdvisor, or any other reputable um, review system. We are taking on some new starts. So if you're just starting out, we want to help them as well, obviously, with everything that's going on. So we understand that they won't have reviews. Um, so we're taking some of them on board, adding them to the platform. What we're saying is we're going to give you that 12 months uh, of the subscription to build up your reviews during, during that time. We understand we may stretch that further because we understand COVID, there's not a lot of bookings happening at this moment in time. But we'll give them a bit of time to generate those reviews and review it at that point um, and, and go from there. But ultimately, you have to have four stars that are to really be on the platform. I understand. And in terms of reservations, so would I just plug in, let's say, this walking tour in Aberdeen, I would plug in my ResTech, or how does that work? Yes, yeah, so no, a lot of the operators have been kind enough to give us access to their reservation system, whether that be a Fair Harbour, ResD, Orally, whatever that would be. When we grab the embed codes, add that to the product, or if they really don't want to give us access, we just give them a little uh, heads up in terms of what we need, and then they supply that as well. 
But for the most part, a lot of operators have just given us access to go in and grab the code. And as you know yourself, um, a lot of the operators aren't technically minded, so they just let us go in and, and get what we need. And it's a lot quicker, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. And then the payment goes through my booking platform rather than through you at that stage, correct? Yeah, we don't handle payments whatsoever. I, I don't really want to get into all that. You know, having to be PCI compliant and everything else, it would just be an absolute night- a nightmare. We've seen what happened with Easy Ticks as well. No, I don't want to get into the, the whole refund debate with with Curiosity. So that's why everything being you know, booking wise is going directly to the operators. So they manage everything from that point. And we're being clear to the potential travels on the platform as well as to say, look, we are here to help you find tours and, and book up tours, but ultimately you're booking directly with the local business. So um, if you want to ask for refunds and things like that, you go to them direct. So let's say, for instance, I'm the walking tour in Aberdeen. I don't have a booking platform yet. You would say to me, hey, come back when you have ResTech set up or? Not necessarily, no. Um, So we have had a number of people come to us who don't have a booking platform. So what we do is we set up a, a form on their page that allows people to inquire. So they at least get inquiries from it. And we've been... Been, I've been so grateful in terms of the partnerships that we've we've got on Curiosity. So a number of different businesses pay uh, us, um, which all goes into the pot for the marketing of the platform and the operators. They pay us a monthly fee to be a partner of the platform. And if, if someone was looking for a booking platform, they then say, okay, look, we have a check front, we have a res day, we have a Taurus day or, or all these other partners that we have. Those guys are there to help you out if you want to have a booking platform and they'll get in touch if they feel that it's going to be a necessary fit. But they can go with anyone they like, but the partners are there who are, um, if they want to have some advice. And they will be offering guides and articles and various other things on our support website that we have for the operators as well. So we're looking to build a more of a community around this as well. I have to say, I was always impressed when you launched and, and during your soft launch that you were, it was almost seemed like daily you were announcing big partners like ResD and like Checkfront. What was the reaction when you went to some of these companies? Because obviously what you're doing is very different from what's out there. What was the initial reaction? Um, it's been very positive. I have to say a lot of them came to, to me rather than me going to them. You know, they, they understood what we were trying to do. They could see how we were trying to help the operators. Uh, yeah, I'm not naive. You know, I know the, the partners who are coming on board, yes, they'll be able to port those operators, have access to the operators coming part of the platform. And again, we make that clear anyone who comes on the partners will have access to to that information as well. Again, at the end of the day, they've been very supportive um, and just sort of saying, look, they can see why something needs to be done to help the operators. Um, yeah, I can't thank them enough. Without that, their support um, and what they pay us in the platform helping to market it, you know, it would be a lot harder for what we're trying to do with it. Um, so it's been great to have them on board. Talking about data and context, I know that's that's probably one of your biggest headaches is gathering all of that. Have you considered working with Magpie? Yes, I have. I've actually been talking to Christian. So at the moment, um, no, we have been uploading all the content manually. In between myself and, uh, and Nicola, who's been helping me out, um, and uh, no, that's been over 1,200 tours that we've uploaded manually. But I know Magpie are in the process of looking at creating a, a WordPress plugin so they can pull in information from Magpie into websites. Um, and I know they're in talks with the developer of the, the WordPress theme that we've used for Curiosity that try and integrate that as well. So hopefully in time, um, we will be able to not do it manually and pull it in through Magpie, which would be so much faster. We'll see if that happens. Hopefully that will happen at some point. But that's something, yeah, it's certainly been on the cards. Yeah, because imagine further down the road, if I suddenly, you know, include 
the best Scottish football team on my best Scottish city walking tour, Aberdeen Football Club, and I need to come to you with photographs. And if you're going to get all these emails from, we know how often tours can change and itineraries can change. And, you know, that's going to be a, I imagine, big headache. Oh, yeah, as we see that already, you know, Nicola, who's been really helping me out with this thing, she deals more about that side. But after we had the soft launch, you know, between that and within a period, we had over 100 support requests. And it was things like, you change an image or can you update a price or can you do this? So anything that's going to help make that process easier with Magpie do this plugin, it's just going to make, uh, give us more time to then market the platform. So ultimately that's what we're hoping is going to happen. Sure. And I wanted to talk about that. So I got my tour and I'm just teasing you about Aberdeen. I know you're a big Glasgow Celtic fan, but uh, I'm live with you. We've got all the data. We're connected to my booking platform, ready to go. How are you then going about promoting my tour to the general public? So at the moment, because of everything that's going on at the moment, we're, we're promoting the platform rather than the actual individual tours. So it's again, it's a new platform. No one really knows about it as, as yet. So the next three to six months, it's literally all going to be brand awareness. Let the people know who we are, what we're all about, um, the types of businesses that we have on there, and just basically, in essence, promoting the platform. From there, we'll start promoting, and we're predominantly using Facebook advertising for this because, um, as you know, me, I love Facebook advertising. I think it's a, a great platform to market on, and we're using that predominantly. So hopefully once vaccines kick in and everything else in about six months' time, that's when we'll start promoting actual destinations and then promoting them to various travelers who are maybe traveling in and out of those destinations all going well. And then from there, once the platform starts to get up, it's, it's going to be a long period. You know, it's, it's, I would say at least 12 months. That will start, hopefully get some traction, and then we'll start looking at individual tours, et cetera. But for the most part, it's brand awareness first, then destinations, and then start looking at individual products and tours from there. So it's going to, we've got a plan of how that will work. It just depends what's going to happen with if travel is going to open up anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess my question for you then is, what were some of your learnings? So I know you had your beta, and then you had your, your soft launch in November. What were some of the lessons you learned? from your soft launch going for future? For anything, it's how to manage the information that we get, the support requests. Now we've changed how we've done that now. It was just purely by email. Um, but we've now created a support website where it just allows us to look at the support requests and do tickets a lot quicker. Um, though we have been setting all that side of it up, so a lot of the operators understand. Though it may have taken us a little bit longer to get to support requests is what we would like to be a small team. Again, we're trying to use the budget as best as we can for marketing and not having to spend a lot on the support side and everything else. So, But no, that's getting quicker. Um, so that's been a big aim for me, is making sure that that process is quicker and smoother and we can adapt and you know, support requests, do, you know, deal with them a lot faster than what we can do. Um, so that's been a big learning curve is that in that side of it. As much as I've been in marketing and helped operators and everything else, I've never run a platform like this as such. And, um, and it's, it's just great to sort of see from the operators and the partners that we've had, like I say, and allowing me to see, okay, this is the operational side from operators. This is what they need. And through time, the platform will develop. So, you know, if they're, if they're leading different things in the platform to make their lives easier, that's that information we're going to collate over the coming months, which will then allow us to develop things on the platform and, and make it better for them and for the, and for the customers. So. I do like your approach of doing it, you know, in, in phase launches rather than just going all in because, you know, you're obviously, you know, and this was something I said publicly at the time that I felt that you might've been better off saying, well, look, let's prove that this works in Scotland first. Let's test it in Scotland. Let's learn and kick on. But you decided that you were going to go global, go big, right, Chris? Yeah. 
Yeah, go big or go home. <laughs> so, no, yeah, it's, it's, I felt that, though, this was the right time to do it. No, it's always been something I've been thinking about. Um, I should, after my book, I had that sort of dummy company in the book called Food Drink Tour. It was actually going to be a sort of OTA type business based on the food and drink industry. Um, and it was going to be called Food Drink Tour. I had the domain name. I even registered it with Companies House here in the UK as a separate business, everything else. And then I decided, okay, let's actually just make it global. No, with everything that's going on, let's see if it's something that can help the operators. And that's where we decided to take the plunge and just make it global. And so far, so good. You know, the response has been great. We've got a waiting list there of other people um, who were looking to onboard late January. And um, we're looking to do that every quarter um, to bring on more on board. And then we'll just see what happens. And I've been very upfront with everyone, saying, look, we're going to give us a good 18 to 24 months we're going to give it everything that we can to see if it works. And if it does work, great. We're on to something if we see some positive signs there. If it doesn't work, then at least we can hold our hands up and say, look, we've tried something. We've tried to do something new and not change the industry, but give a different option on there. We know it's going to be hard against the big boys um, with, all, with their war chests of cash and everything else. But we feel there's, there's, there's enough room to do something different. And I'm always keen to try something at least. Um, if nothing, I'd, I'd like to give myself a challenge. So that's that's yeah, for sure. <laughs> definitely are with this. Now, as far as I can tell, I don't think I've ever seen an OTA ad on Facebook. So they use Google, ad, or they were for COVID, and we're using Google AdWords, but I, I'm trying to recall if I've ever seen. I've never seen one. I, I know they do some Facebook advertising, but it's not one that I have come, really came across myself. Um and Google Ads, don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Google Ads as well, um, but it can be expensive, especially when the big OTA start you know, ramping that up um, massively. Whereas for me, Facebook, is there's a lot of wins on there. And because this is a lot of brand awareness initially, you can't get better than Facebook with that. And it's we're all going through this horrific time and the, the dreaming phase that every traveler goes through has been for the last 12 months pretty much, and it's going to be for at least another six months of places where they would love to go and love to see and when, when restrictions are lifted and vaccines take a hold. So being able to get in front of them, in my opinion, is key. And Facebook's one of the best tools you can do with that. So that's why we're pretty much exclusively using Facebook. We've all used some Google ads eventually, but um, Facebook is pretty much exclusive on this platform. Got a quick message from one of our sponsors, and then we'll get right back to today's show. Stay tuned. Are you tired of using six different software applications to run your operation? Rocket Res, the all-in-one system for tours and attractions, combines the ease of online booking with all those other tools you wish you had to run your operation. Have retail? Use their built-in retail point of sale. Want to market to your customers? Use their built-in CRM. Offering private events? No problem. Send digital contracts right out of Rocket Res. For tourpreneur listeners, for a limited time, you can sign up for a demo in the next 30 days and Rocket Res will waive all setup fees. Visit rocketres.com forward slash tourpreneur for more details. And now, back to today's episode of Tourpreneur. I feel a bit uh, in awe of you here, so I'm, and I'm a bit nervous saying this because you're the Facebook expert, but to me, as a consumer... The amount of things I bought from a Facebook ad this year during lockdown are things I would never, ever, ever have gone out and searched for, but they've appeared in front of me. Whether it's uh, I buy these curry sauces and spices to make my curries at home, a company in Chicago I'd never heard of before. I didn't go to Google and say, you know, spices or curry sauces. They, they pitched to me. 
I think I just bought a new camera, an Osmo Pocket 2. I made the big mistake of clicking on their website, so they were hammering me with <laughs> with ads. But I think that's the benefit. And I know it was a frustration of mine in the summer that I didn't hear where I live in Vermont, and I know it's different everywhere, but I didn't see enough local activities promoting themselves to me because especially outdoor activities where let's say there was a kayak. I live next to a massive lake, Lake Champlain, and I didn't see any tours advertised for kayaking or canoeing or fishing or whatever. And I, I know these were going on. I was talking to uh, uh, someone who does the marketing for an ATV company in the south of the state, and they've absolutely crushed it this summer, and they were using Facebook. But I hardly saw any tours utilizing Facebook. And I do wonder if that's you know, a fear of Facebook or a fear of burning through cash. And, you know, I kind of look towards our tourist board and saying, why aren't you teach? I know they can come to you and consume your content, which is great, but they, they are, they're also nervous. And I think, why aren't the tourism boards educating operators that, hey, Facebook is actually a really good way to, to create awareness of your product? And I know it sounds to me like you have more demand than you can cope with, but I wonder if that would be a good approach for curiosity to work with these local tourist boards and say, Hey, let's do something together. You promote us. I'll come in, I'll, I'll do a seminar or whatever, a webinar uh, and explain what we're about. And that potentially could be a good way of attracting more tours and activities that who, people who are scared of Facebook. No, definitely. And, and I completely agree with you. I don't think, yes, a lot of operators and everything else haven't really got cash to spend or a lot of cash to spend at this moment in time, although you should never really stop marketing. So if you can even do things for free, you know, out there, but through Facebook, you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you look at what Peter Syme has done with his splash white water rafting, you know, he did a, a lot of Facebook advertising during the whole crisis. He was inundated with inquiries and bookings and had to turn business away, you know, especially for outdoor activities. You no, know, that's still huge. Um, and Facebook is a great way of doing that. And the fact that you saw those ads, the spices and everything else, that's just that's how good Facebook is. It knows the things that you like because it knows what you look at on Facebook. It knows what you're searching on other websites if they have a Facebook pixel. And then that's why Facebook is so good at targeting. Um, It knows your life. It knows everything about you, (laughs) for good or for bad. Yeah. But then, of course, there's the other option of that. And I know you offer this through through your marketing agency that, yeah, there is a lot to learn. I mean, I've looked at Ad Manager. I can't say I'm particularly good at it. It's something I keep meaning to want to learn. But it's so low down my list of priorities when, you know, there's other things I need to get to. So, you know, for tour operators, they can either work with you through TMA to do Facebook ads, or it sounds to me like Curiosity is also now a vehicle as you ramp this thing up that you can promote via Facebook. Yeah, and that's part of the reason why I created Curiosity because I understand a lot of operators can't afford an agency like mine's, um, even though we're not, I wouldn't say we're overly expensive, um, but I know there's a lot of people that just simply can't afford that. When you're making zero dollars revenue, right? It's I totally get it. And curiosity with being such a, a low yearly fee, in my opinion, it's giving those operators a, a chance to have something out there on Facebook that could promote tours or their destination and the platform as a whole. So it's a way of, of trying to say, okay, look, we can help you with some Facebook advertising without having to go to an agency and spend those huge fees or, yeah, just another outlet, as you say. Um, and I know one of my dreams for this whole platform is once it's successful, hopefully in two or three years' time, I'm actually looking to create a consortium of operators and then hand over the platform to them so it's properly operator-led. So that's, that's the dream to say, okay, this is what I've done, this is the platform, we've built it. Being some sort of success, here you go, guys. I can help you out with obviously with the marketing side, but there you go, there you go. I want this to be for the operators, by the operators, and that's my ultimate goal is to do that, is to hand over to some operators to manage it properly. So. 
or for them to manage. Listen, one of my questions for you actually is I was always surprised when, when you launched that it was a, a non-profit, that you taking money to, to reinvest in marketing and then also pay for the platform and all the work goes into it. But this, you're not taking any profit from this whatsoever, are you? Were you tempted to? There's no money to make a profit from, to be honest. You know, it's, no, we've got 300 operators you know, paying a couple hundred dollars a year. So the money there is, is literally the marketing budget. You know, I don't take any revenue from it whatsoever. Nikki gets a small payment for the support managing that side, uh, and the rest of it is purely marketing. There is no profit to be made in this because every penny, and we'll do that at the end of every year, we'll say, look, here's what we've spent this on, this is what we've done, this is everything that's, that we've used, and every money piece of money is going to be spent on the platform and marketing and maintaining it. I could take money from it if I really wanted to, if I felt I needed to, but I don't. No, TMA pays me well. No, we're, we're actually coming out of the end of this year stronger than ever, which is surprising for a marketing agency in tourism. Well, I didn't think that at the start of the year, but um, no, that's I make a decent enough living with that. So no, for me, this is just a project. I want to see if I can make work, and that's payment for me. That the challenge of that is payment for me to see if I can actually make this work for for the for the industry. So. You know, I've been very uh, impressed this year as we've gone through this horrible pandemic. That you are making this nonprofit. Yeah, there's a fee to get involved because it has to be because you can't market without funds, right? You had a rival who, for their 360 event, I, I can't remember the numbers now, but if you were, if your revenue was below a certain amount, that they were offering free registration. And I'm seeing this throughout. You know, a lot of people. I mean, I know you, for instance, spoke to hundreds of operators for free. Pete Simon's. I think he's consulted with everybody. You know, in terms of getting through the pandemic and looking for next year. It's it's the one thing that really motivates me and makes me very proud to be in our industry, Chris, that we all, yeah, we all need to make a living, right? I mean, I have sponsors on the show. I'd love to do it ad-free. I can't. Otherwise, I just couldn't produce the show. The same for yourself. With TMA, you can't give that away for free. You need to put food on the table, etc. But we do come together and we do help people out where we can. Definitely. And that's what I love about this industry. You know, it's the amount of people who have helped out, like yourself, Peter Simon has been mentioned, and many others. You know, it's They've all came together to try and make sure that this industry survives and the operators can survive. Don't get me wrong, I've, the operators that I've spoken to, there's been some horrible stories, stories I didn't want to hear in terms of you know, businesses failing and everything else. And um, But there's been some really inspirational stories and in how some have survived, some are getting through this. And the way the industry has got together to try and help each other, I think is just outstanding. I, I don't know any other industry that this would happen in. Although it's... Uh, a big industry. It's 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 the way I always describe Glasgow. You no, know, Glasgow's a city, but it seems like a village because everyone knows everyone. And the tourism activities sector uh, to me is a lot like that. Everyone knows everyone. Everyone's there to try and help everyone. At the end of the day, we're all in the same boat, um, and we want to see a thriving industry after this. So, seeing competitors working together or helping each other, or it's amazing to see. It really is. It is. And actually, you mentioned competitors. That's something I've been advising operators that I'm speaking to is to go make friends with your previous competitors because it could be that you don't have the staff uh, or the resources to run a tour every single day and maybe you split it with your competitor down the road you know you take weekends they do monday to wednesday whatever you know we may be in that situation as we come out of this 2021 that we need to work with our competitors in a way that we would never have dreamed of before exactly and i know i've seen that happen here in, in scotland firsthand you know, there's, a, there's an operator who who we help marketing wise who does tours and camper vans and things like that. So that's obviously been quite a decent product for, for this time of year because people can be in their own bubble driving around, et cetera. Well, not at the moment because we're in a stronger lockdown, but 
he, when his capacity is full, he has a competitor that he then gives over um, to say, okay, do you want these get these tourists or, or travelers to take out one of your vehicles instead? Because he doesn't want to see those those travelers basically falling to the wayside and not actually doing anything. So you'd rather see them boarding Scotland and doing something in Scotland rather than not doing anything at all. So they, they help each other out with vehicles and everything else. And it's, it's it has to happen. And there's going to be more of that going forward because of rising costs and people just having to help each other out just to make sure ends meet. So, Yeah. And I, I always remember even before COVID bulldog tours, John Laverne, you know, he, one of his competitors ghost tours down in Charleston had a very bad car crash was, you know, I think three to six months, couldn't run his business. And John stepped in and took his competitors ghost tours and kept that guy's business afloat. You know, it's just like, wow, like you say, we are lucky. My last question for you, Chris, you always impress me because you're doing all this work with Curiosity. You're running a busy marketing agency for tour operators. You have the always epic digital tourism show, the podcast. You are on so many webinars and conferences and etc. Then you produce, you know, like I was on it the other day, you know, um, how to create a promotional video course, which is very, very kind of you. You did that for free. And I'll add that in the show notes today at tourpreneur.com forward slash 130. How do you find time? I honestly don't know. I just like keeping busy. Um, I just like, you know, putting content out there and helping the industry. And yes, don't get me wrong. If, if you're outside looking in, yes, it's raising my awareness and my brand and the business's brand and everything else. Yeah, I get that as well. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm out there to try and educate. You know, I'm a big, big believer of trying to educate the industry as much as possible. When they approach my agency or whatever, it makes our jobs a lot easier because they get a sort of an understanding of what it takes to market. You know, it's, it isn't just a matter of switching some ads on and suddenly getting lots of bookings or leads. And there's a lot of work that goes behind it. There's creating the content, writing the content, come up with the campaigns. And it's not something that just, as I say, can just be easily switched on. So being able to inform people more about what it actually takes to become a, a media company, as I say, you know, I always say don't run a, business, a tour business, become a media company first because you need to have that mindset of just producing lots of content because that is what works. It just makes life easier for people just by letting them know, okay, this is what you need to do. Um, and that's the reason why I do it. Any productivity tips or hacks that you use you can share with the rest of us? Any tools or apps or? To be honest, I have certain things that I do. No, I, I look at my emails, and this is God's honest truth. I look at my emails every morning with a coffee, 9% of the time listening to Tourpreneur um, in the background. And uh, I do that in 9 and 10. And then I don't look at my emails again until around 4 p.m. Then I have a look at it in case there's anything I need to catch up. And then I have a specific day. So a Tuesday and a Thursdays tend to be TMA days, doing branding or videos or whatever for them, as well as some sales. And that's my sort of sales and marketing for TMA. The other days is helping out the team, doing some stuff for clients, whatever I need to do for that. That's basically how I do it. It's just structuring each day in terms of, and I stick to that. And that's basically what I do. And don't get me wrong, it's been a long time to get to that stage um, and to learn myself because I tend to, when an idea comes into my head, my head, I tend to go off and I do get bored easily. I think that's why I do so many different things because I, I do get bored easily. And it's just training yourself and having a good business coach behind you to give you a slap when you need to have a slap and everything. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's. Um, I'm hearing that more and more of tourpreneurs having business coaches being kept accountable. Every I think. business owner should have one, in my opinion. I've been using Forbes, who's my business coach, for about ten years. It's a godsend. You no, know, running a business is such a lonely experience. You no, know, yes, you can talk to your partners, your wives, you no know, spouses, whatever. 
but unless they run a business themselves, they just don't quite get it. And having a, a, a business coach who has been through it, just to either bounce ideas off of, to have a moan at, to you know, just to help you out, or so half the time when I speak to Forbes, it's basically I ask him a question and then I end up going round circles and answering it myself, and he just sits there and laughs at you because you no, know, he's not really done anything, but it's just the look that he gives you. You go, okay, right, I've answered that myself. I need to do something. I need to do this. I need to do that. And like sports people, they become amazing sports people. They win awards, win trophies because they have a good coach behind them, and it's no different from business. If you have a really good business coach behind you you will excel and you will get to things that you want to get to or achieve your goals a lot quicker. Because um, you do need someone behind you just to give you that little pick up the backside every now and again if you need it. So so how do you switch off? How do you protect your mental health? <laughs> good question. I have to admit, I, I, it's hard. I really, it's, if I've got one failing, it's, it's really hard for me to switch off. No, I do um, switch off on a Friday. I spend time with the family over the weekend. I very rarely work over the weekend. I will maybe check my emails every now and again if, if I need to, but I switch off as much as possible. And I've sort of had to train myself to do that because I am terrible for switching off. But the only true time I really do switch off is, and I'm showing my geek side here, is either when I'm watching a movie or playing the PlayStation. That's the only two times I truly switch off. I just get sucked into movies. It's why I love movies so much. I just get sucked into the story and. It just takes my mind away from, from other things. And that's the only time I really do switch off. So You're talking to a guy who plays tabletop war games to escape the world. So I totally get the geekiness. I do that myself. Not the same, same games as you, but I do that myself with some other tabletop games and old movie-based ones, as you can imagine. But <laughs> Well, for me, it's like my friends laugh at me, but that's the one time I can actually decouple and disconnect from the internet, put some music on, play that, and... I think some of the mental stress we have is smartphones are, are fantastic inventions, but they also, we're slaves to them. I don't know if you're the same. I have to consciously switch it off and put it in another room or I'm twitching on it all the time. And it's not, it's not good, especially on those days where you're saying, like I have a really good friend of mine. He takes weekends with his family. Wednesdays, he, he switches his phone off the whole, now he's lucky he's in a business. He can do that. I know not all of us can. He switches his phone off for the whole day. He goes on holiday. He leaves his that. phone at home. I'm like, really? Like, and he no, says the best I, I thing he's ever that. did. Yeah, I yeah, know. I, I couldn't do that. No, it's, it's um, I have to admit, my, my phone is plugged in and same in bed. And usually the first thing I do when I wake up is check to see what notifications I've got. I have, and I know I need to get out of that, but I don't think I can go quite yet of switching the phone off for a full day. Because I know, I think it's partly because I know what I'll come back to. I'll end up just coming back to so many messages that I have to deal with. It's, it's, it just makes me more anxious. So I'd rather sit there and then and wait for it coming further down the line. But. Excellent. So where can people find out more about Curiosity and register? Well, um, if you go to curiosity.travel, there is in the footer of the page is a, a, an operator sign-up form. So they can click on that. That'll take them to a page of more information. They can basically register there. and We'll get that inquiry. And like I say, at the moment, we're looking to onboard every quarter. So the end of January will be the next sort of batch, as it were. And then quarter after that so if you want to register um it's on the uh, it's on the curiosity.travel website excellent and i will add all those links to tourpreneur.com forward slash one three zero chris thanks ever so much for coming on and sharing more about curiosity with us all i'm sure you'll get plenty of our listeners uh, knocking your door down to come register and be a part of it they're very welcome no the more the better again although we call it an ota it's i use that term very loosely it's more of a, a marketing consortium if you want to call it that. And the more operators we have on there, 
the more marketing budget, the more we can promote the platform, the destinations and operators that are on there. And that's the ultimate aim. So the more we can get on, the better. So if you're interested, it's, it's not expensive and you can come on board and be part of this community that we're building. And even if you're not interested in being a part of this, make sure that you follow Chris online and add all his links to the show notes and especially his YouTube channel and podcast of which, you know, I've told you this before. I was watching your YouTube channel before I even started Torpreneur in my days at Get You Guide because I needed to learn this industry from the other side. So your videos were always super useful and they continue to be. No, I really do appreciate that, Shane. And likewise, I think operators these days are very spoiled for choice for podcasts and um, really good content and help guys out there you know, with yourself and trip school and what I do. So I think I think that the industry is going along in the right direction in terms of that side of things and it's great to see. Marvellous. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shane. Thanks for listening to the Torpreneur podcast. Be sure to visit torpreneur.com to join the conversation and access the show notes, including links to the resources mentioned on today's episode. This is Torpreneur.